My name is Cyrus. I'm a student who believes in empowering education. And you're listening to Awakening the Unawakened Show, a weekly podcast where important people share important messages. Welcome, huge and amazing folks, to a brand new Awakening the Unawakened Show's episode. This is your host, Aris Martinez. Happy Monday, everyone. It's good to see you here. Another week. It's been a pretty tough one for me, this previous one, but you know, just felt like recording a new episode. I really hope you enjoyed the last week's episode uh, with Ted Marr being one of our guests. It was a pretty good one uh, from my point of view. So, what are we going to talk about today? It's uh, a quite interesting topic, actually. And let me just begin with, with the introduction. Because at the end of the day, you are data. Your family is more data. Your friends are data. Your job, your preferences, your thoughts and lifestyle is more data. And therefore, it's incredibly valuable in today's world. And that's how it is, folks. Whether you like it or not, that's how it is. I and mean, you have to live with it. Now, I mean, you may be asking yourself, how is it that, uh, how is our data being obtained? And, you know, it's a pretty easy one to answer, to be honest. And you're giving them this information. They don't need to steal it or something like that. You're just simply giving them everything they need. So in today's episode, we'll be speaking about how countries such as China are responsible for the largest video surveillance network in the world and how their often innocent-driven approach, sector-wise, poses a great threat to everyone, especially to Chinese citizens who live there and therefore are subject to Chinese regulations. So let's get right into the topic, folks. So it's, it's, it's a universally known fact that China um, has a, a great, well, I mean, not great, but they actually do um, record, track, and um, keep basically everything they their citizens do. And being Beijing, one of these examples, they have one of the greatest video surveillance networks in the world. And the thing is that they have plans to expand it to more than 600 million cameras inside their, their country. So that's a pretty high amount of cameras, right? So what are they being used for is for hella different um, reasons. One of them is just, just face recognition and to publicly shame citizens. For instance, take when jaywalking. So, I mean, you may hear this and think, well, this is something good, right? Because, you know, jaywalking shouldn't be um, done and therefore for anyone that, mm, let's say, takes the risk of jaywalking, then you'll be instantly punished. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, I can take it. But whenever you extrapolate those principles and move them into a really different um, narrative and in a really different situation, then the outcome is um, completely different. And this is often given with um, presented as a, you know, 
a public, this is only in public zones. But this is what you may think. But the reality isn't like that. Reality is that not only were beings, well, they are being surveilled in public spaces, but in private zones too. So this face recognition um, technology is being used all throughout different private properties. And take, for instance, again, um, whenever you want to enter your home or a flat, you'll be asked to um, check with your face and check in with your face. And then all that data will be cross-checked with the government's um, databases and criminal records and to see who you are when you've entered your home, um, when you're leaving, what you're doing and what you're not doing. So they absolutely have an absolute control over you and over your life. Amazing, right? So, um, the thing is that we're presented, we're being presented with this technology as a, as a candy, to say it in a way. But in reality, it's this double-edged sword. And it's like that, because, you know, it often they often say, well, this is, this is a great advance, uh, this will be a, a breakthrough, a technological breakthrough when it comes to uh, face recognition, etc., etc., so on and so forth. But, and this will stop, for instance, um, you know, the war on terrorism, as the United States have been fighting for, for quite a time now. And they just put measures for the sake of um, security and for personal safety and you know this is a candy for a lot of people but for others it isn't so because again for, for the double risk that it can have on our lives so this is the future that we want no privacy at all because mm, i personally would have to think about it really carefully because there are bugs such as 1984. Let's talk about this kind of thought, please. And a state-owned surveillance. And it's actually pretty scary to think about in that way. And, you know, it's not only state, uh, the, the state, the, the one that's controlling, but also private companies. Because in China, in China, how it works is that every single um, new emerging Chinese company has no chance of being a superpower without the blessing of the Chinese Communist Party. Therefore, you have companies such as TikTok, which maybe they claim not to be controlled by the government, but I can certainly tell you they are controlled by what the Chinese Communist Party says. And some of these examples that prove um, this statement are basically how they are censoring things that the Communist Party doesn't want to see. Again, they are censoring things that the Communist Party doesn't want to see. How are they doing this is with the second version of TikTok, because TikTok is available uh, worldwide, but in China they have a different version. And it's, it's, it's actually the same, but with a different name. And this provides the Chinese government absolute control over this app. 
and you have different topics that may be hot topics for the government, they're simply not being shown on this, uh, whenever you search them on TikTok. And this just demonstrates the, the level in which we're getting at right now. And TikTok has links to uh, Beijing's military and intelligence agencies, as I said, and has been compiling personal information on millions of people from the US, UK, Australia, Canada, India, and Japan. And just, if, if you're aware of this, then it won't seem something strange whenever you heard India banning TikTok. Or maybe when um, the US Trump, Donald Trump, said they would ban TikTok because of the national security risks that that app post on, on, their, on their country. And it's been proven to be like that. So, but TikTok, you know, is saying, well, we're not being, we're not compiling information. All the information is just located in the US, not in China, and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, they are compiling this information. And the issue here is that China can use that data to manipulate those individuals throughout you know, a professional understanding of this psychology. So I'm reading right now um, a Shiro Hedge article about TikTok, and they actually say this. And even more so, I mean, it allows China to access to data that maybe some officials or just um, normal citizens wouldn't like it to be out. In other words, it makes everyone susceptible to blackmail. And you may be wondering, well, I'm I'm just a normal citizen. I won't be sub I mean I won't be susceptible to blackmail, etc. But maybe important people don't think the same way. Because they do have some power and they do have some um influence. And maybe that personal information is sensitive and they don't wanna they don't want that information to come out. As simple as that. Because then, I mean, I don't, I really don't have to talk about blackmail and how it works. Because you have to take the example of Jeffrey Epstein and how the video surveillance cameras placed all throughout the, the island, Pedo Island, um, served as a, as a fantastic network for blackmailing um, the clients and the elite that. Um, committed those crimes against children. If I had to take to tell you how big this database of information that they're being collecting, that they've been collecting is, according to the according to the ABC, one intelligence analyst described the giant global database as Cambridge Analytica on steroids. And let me read again. They described the giant global database as Cambridge Analytica on steroids. At the same time, the Telegraph reported that intelligence sources described the scale of information as frightening. Frightening. Folks, this is what we got here. It's no, not a joke. 
But at the end of the day, what we really have to think here is our social media um, think of, uh, thinking of us as the product or as their client. Because there's, there's something that is often said across um, businessmen and it's if something is free, if a product is free, in a way, you are the product. If a service is free, you are the product. And it's hard to say, but it is like that. Social media, such as TikTok, because, you know, at the end of the day, China is to the US what the US is to China. So the problem doesn't end here. And here they come Twitter, YouTube, Google, and a lot of Silicon Valley great companies. They are just simply controlled by the US, but at the end of the day, they serve the same, exact same uh, function, compiling information. And Facebook has a bunch of data from almost everyone. And maybe nobody's talking about that right now, because it, it has its it's kind of the Cambridge Analytica. But I have to say, there's there's something behind it. And it's simply not being told. And that's it. Because maybe China is talking about how Facebook is compiling information. They could be talking about that. Because we're talking about how TikTok does the same. So again, the problem doesn't end here. And we're just the product. Social media have different clients. Their clients are advertisers. And our attention is key. And that is the product that we're being sold. And that we're giving our attention. And giving our attention means attracting more customers, which in this case are advertisers. That's why whenever you go into YouTube, TikTok, etc., you're getting different recommendations from AI, machine learning, um, algorithms, which often recommend you the something that you will like and something that it will stick into your subconscious, maybe. And they know what what are you gonna click on and what you're not. That's how advertisers place their ads on different parts and on different videos. So they have a different target audience. So how do you predict what someone's gonna do or say or act? It's simply with a lot of diff of, of data. If you have a lot of data, you can then predict what someone can say. And this is what TikTok is doing. This is what Twitter is doing. This is what YouTube is doing. This is what everyone is doing. We're simply not conscious and not, not simply not listening to people who may be talking about this, to people who may be warning us, tech insiders, different people that were just being that we're just ignoring them. And this is not good. This is not good. So this is a pretty short one, folks. Um, that's all for this week's episode. Consider leaving in a five-star review on Apple Podcast if you've enjoyed. Meanwhile, seeing you in the next one. This is your host, signing off.